I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus tonight. Titus chapter 3. And it's often the case that the preacher is preached to first when he's preparing for a message. And I found that to definitely be the case with this message. And my prayer over the past couple days is that I can express to you what the Lord has expressed to me personally. Um, But I'm continuing my series. It's been a little while, so you might be saying series. What series? But I'm preaching through the book of Titus, and I'm preaching about the things that were wanting. What was wanting? And for those of you keeping score, this is lesson number five. And for our passage tonight, we're going to take the first uh, eight verses of the book of Titus, chapter 3, and let's have a word of prayer to start with. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, there's still some loose thoughts in my mind um, that I haven't necessarily put in the outline, and Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct me. If you want those said or not. I pray that you would lead in that. I pray that you would speak to hearts from your word tonight. Fill me with your spirit and preaching and pray you'd meet with us as you promised to do. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So, I sort of found a theme for Titus in chapter 1. He tells Titus to set in order those things that were wanting. And the first message was... What was wanting was pastors. He says, set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders. And so what was wanting on the island of Crete, where Titus was, was pastors. The people needed pastors. He was supposed to ordain elders in every city. The next thing that was wanting was discernment. The believers there were dealing with a lot of false teachers who came from their culture and exploited their depraved depraved culture and their gullible nature, frankly. And so they needed discernment. They also needed discipleship. They needed to hear and learn sound doctrine and step up and live it and teach others how to do it also. They also needed to have a recognition of the reason They needed to realize and believe that they could live the way that God wanted them to because of God's grace provided through salvation in Christ. But tonight, the thing that is wanting that I want to talk about is reminders. What was wanting was reminders. So let's read our text. Chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, 
which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So he starts off chapter 1 telling Titus to put them in mind. And that word has the idea of, and it's made of two parts, and it talks about self and to remind or suggest. So you're reminding yourself. You're suggesting to yourself. Think about yourself is really sort of what it's saying. And we need to be reminded from time to time about some things. Peter, Paul, and Jude all were inspired by God to remind believers of some things in their letters, using this phrase, to put you in remembrance of, to put you in mind of, speaking to believers, because we forget sometimes. We need to be reminded. And it's also one of the things that the Holy Spirit does inside of believers, according to John 14, 26. He brings to mind what we read in the scriptures. He brings to mind what we heard in preaching this morning or this evening, later on this week. The Holy Spirit will remind you, put you in mind of what you heard. And there's a lot of problems and evil in this world. But one of the things I noticed in this passage is it's not really about them. It's about you and it's about me. See, I'm not saying that you and I are to blame for the evil. I'm saying that God wants to work in you and through you despite the evil that's around us. So what do we need to be reminded of? Well, we need to be reminded about our attitude towards authorities. It says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. We need to be subject to principalities and powers. We need to be subject to the authorities in our life. We need to obey the magistrates. But we have in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 29, says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered, they're answering the religious authorities in Jerusalem, and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. You know, some people take this verse here in the book of Acts and they run with it. They use it to justify all sorts of rebellion against authority and laws. And this is actually evident that this was a tendency even in, in Paul and Peter's day because they both gave warnings in their epistles to this effect. And this is one of them. To be subject to the authorities, to obey the magistrates. They're inspired by God to tell us that. So how do we reconcile Titus chapter 1, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 1, I've got that backwards, and Acts 5, 29. Well, consider 
the context of this passage. He was talking to Titus on the Isle of Crete, which was under Roman authority. It wasn't a democracy or a republic like we have today. It wasn't a a government that held elections that most people could participate in. They didn't have a Christian tradition woven through its laws like we have. They had an emperor in charge of everything. And they had a magistrate who was appointed by that emperor and put in place and removed at his will, who may be a relative of the emperor, you know, probably got his job through no, uh, being on the inside, having a connection with the right people. Not really because they were popular. Not because they were a really nice guy. It says to be subject to principalities and powers and obey magistrates. I want you to turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13. Let's look at verse 1 of Romans 13. He says it here again. He says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now catch this, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now you may not like to hear this, but this verse means that there are no unfair elections. Because God is sovereign over all. Check out the next verse. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's pretty strong. Now, are there corrupt people in positions of authority? Definitely. And there were in Crete. Are we seeing laws passed that go against the things that God says are true and right? Without a doubt. Do you think God doesn't know all about it? What we're talking about is our attitude towards those in authority. Should we unquestioningly follow our leaders in their works of evil? Absolutely not. There's a place to resist. There's a, as Peter said before that council, what did they want them to do? They wanted them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter said, I'm sorry we can't do that. He wasn't rejecting their authority utterly. But in that thing that they said not to do, they said, I'm sorry, my Lord and Savior told me to do this, and I'm going to stand before him one day. Not just you. But in the other things, I think they were obedient. Because there's a reason that laws are made. Why are laws made? Why are governments put in place? Because we don't naturally do the right thing. 
God gave the Jewish people the law because they couldn't consistently follow and love him. So he had to spell it out for them when he brought them out of Egypt. Jesus told the people to obey the Pharisees and what they told them to do that was from God's word. But he also said, don't be like them. Don't do what they do because they're hypocrites. And Paul, when he was in prison, he said really that he wasn't too bothered by those who are preaching Christ, hoping to make his punishment worse. Why? Because they are preaching Christ. They were doing what God wanted, telling people about Christ. So Paul was okay with that. There's a time and place for refusing to obey authority. And we'll get to dealing with that in a minute, but let's consider the next two verses in Romans chapter 13. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, or revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And that ties in immediately into what it says in Titus chapter 3 at the end of verse 1. It says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. See, this all is going to tie together in a nice, neat little package. In obeying those authorities, we should be ready to help anyone who is involved in the good work who is doing the things that God says are right and good. We should be ready to help those. We should be ready to get involved. We should be ready to go out and do it ourselves if nobody else is doing it. Good work is good work regardless of its source. There are going to be bad people in positions of power. There is going to be evil. But remember, evil is the default condition in our world. Good is the exception. As a child of God, you're called to do good and support those who are doing good. That's what this verse in Titus is saying. Be ready to every good work. There's a lot of laws on the books that are good laws. And they're there to punish things that really are evil. And to put fences up, to put restraints in place because lost people have no restraint. And even we transgress, step across the line sometimes in dealing with each other. Laws are there for a reason. And if you stop and think about it, a lot of those laws are good. And we should support and encourage those laws that are good. 
And sometimes it can seem like we're surrounded by evil. But I'm going to put you in mind of Romans 12.21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That idea of overcome with evil is not just talking about letting the evil beat you down, but there's a tendency in us to, okay, if we can't beat them, we might as well join them. No. God wants us to keep working good, keep doing good. Obey those in authority that are over us, especially in the areas where they're working good. But what about the ones who aren't working good? Well, the next verse in Titus talks about that. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Paul wanted Titus to remind them, and we need to be reminded, about our attitude towards everyone. Don't speak evil of any man, and that word brawler has the idea of just itching for a fight all the time being combative and and aggressive in your dealing with people. And when the evil wants to accuse you, they shouldn't find any traction. If no one hears you speak evil of anyone, then they can't make accusations against you. I mean, they can, and they will, but they're not going to stick once they call in a couple witnesses. And they put you there and they say, we've heard you, you're accused of saying this. And they bring in a couple witnesses and they say, there's no way he said that. Or she said that because I've never heard anything like that come out of their mouth. That should be our testimony. Don't give the evildoers any ammunition. Speak evil of no man. Be no brawlers. And don't give the people who are kind of neutral or on the sidelines a reason to believe the evildoers. Tell the truth about people and about situations. He also says that we're supposed to be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. We should deal with everyone with gentleness and meekness. We do need to be reminded of this. I know I need to be reminded of this. And this applies to everyone, not just our friends, not just to those in church. It says, all men, all meekness unto all men. That is our friends, that is people in our church, that is our neighbors, and that is the authorities too. I'm reminded of how, God, uh, how Daniel behaved toward the Babylonian kings whom he was a slave to. Respectful. When he refused the king's meat, he did it respectfully and tried to help out the one who was set over him so that he didn't lose his head because of Daniel's rebellion. Well, he, wasn't, he was sticking by God. He said, I have to follow what God says. I can't do what the king says, but I don't want this guy that's in charge of me to get in trouble. I don't want him to lose his life because of me. And so he's told, man, put me to the test. Just 10 days, you won't get in trouble with that. He's looking out for that guy and following God's will. He was being gentle to him. 
He could have said, I'm going to stick it to this guy. I'm not going to eat and I'm going to look terrible. And then the king, take him out. No, he wasn't like that. Second Timothy 2.25 says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Those that are operating against you, we are supposed to instruct them. We're supposed to try and share God's word with them and why we're doing what we're doing that they're opposing with meekness. Why? If God peradventure will give them repentance unto the acknowledging of the truth. Maybe as an example of how to deal with other people, think about a customer service representative that's in that call center. And a lot of times we have a complaint. Something is not working right. Or something broke or something isn't what they said it would be and we're going to call them and give them a piece of our mind. Okay, this, is, this is remind yourself. Think about yourself. Put yourself in the situation of that customer service rep. What would it be like for you if you had to deal with 200 of you for 8, 10, 12 hours every day. Just that one thought, just that one reminding sort of turns it, doesn't it? How you deal with that customer service rep. That's what this verse is talking about, speaking evil of no man and being gentle and meek. Yeah, you have a complaint. But it's not that person's fault that you're talking to. Deal with them gently. And when you do that, They'll probably say, wow, you're the nicest person I've talked to all day. And maybe you'll have a chance to tell them why. Because you're a child of God. And then it starts to tie into verse 3. For we ourselves also. When it comes to dealing with those in authority... We have to remember, we have to be reminded that our leaders and everyone around us are sinful men and women just like us. Just like you. You know, we like to think that we would do things differently than our leaders and people around us. But the truth is, we don't have all the information. And we're not under the same pressures and influences that they are. When we see our neighbors do certain things and act certain ways, we don't know what they're going through. When that person cuts you off in traffic, pulls out in front of you, and goes barreling off, you don't know if that person's wife or daughter or son is in the emergency room right now. Think about it. Remind yourself. You don't know what that person's going through. Think about what you might be going through that might cause you to act like that. Because we do have the same old man as they do, and that same old man is motivated by covetousness, pride, and fear. Those are motivating forces in all of our leaders. It's motivating forces in all of our neighbors. It's a motivating force that needs to be resisted in you and me. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So what it's saying here in these first two, uh, first two verses, excuse me, <clears throat> Excuse me. What it's saying is, cut people some slack. Just like you would want to be cut some slack. And don't be quick to assign evil to people because you're sinful at heart. And if you were in the position that they're in, you don't know what you would do either. Don't be quick to jump on their case. <clears throat> Would you yell at a blind man for tripping over a crack in the sidewalk and falling down in front of you because now he's in your way? Of course not. That's these people all around us. They're blind. They don't see like you see. And that leads into verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We need to be reminded about ourselves from time to time. That's what Paul wants Titus to do to these people. Remember who you were. See, everything that you care to accuse other people of being or doing, you are too and have done yourself. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, Serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's an ugly list, isn't it? For we also for we ourselves also were sometimes these things. Aren't we quick to criticize others for doing and being these things? I know I can be. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to work, to remind you, he'll show you these things in your past. And we tend to forget. And to be honest, we don't like to remember what we were before we were saved. But we do need to be reminded of that. Especially when we've been saved for a while. And it says that they were sometimes Don't get the wrong idea. This doesn't mean that you and I were mostly good and sometimes evil. No. We're evil all the time. With a little bit of good, maybe worked in on the edges. You were all these things all the time before you trusted Christ. And after your salvation, once you are saved, now there's another option. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to work, he will show you where those things in that list are present right now in your life. If you allow the Holy Spirit to work, you can refrain from speaking evil. You can refrain from rebelling against authority You can continue in good works despite all the evil around you if you let the Holy Spirit remind you of these things. And we're also reminded 
that it wasn't you who changed you. It was God's mercy and God's working. Verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We don't deserve to be changed. We deserve to be punished. But he washes. He regenerates. He renews through Christ. Even though you were those things in verse 3. He's done it anyway through Jesus' son. You didn't change you. And if we think honestly about ourselves, if we remind ourselves, we see that there's no place to be prideful or think that we are better than anybody else or could do a better job in any situation because it's not us. Any good in us is because of him. We are changed through salvation. And that goes right into the next thing. We need to be reminded of our possession. It says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared uh, toward man appeared. The kindness and love of God appeared to you and led you to faith in Christ. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. Our sins say that you should be picked up out of your seat right now and thrown into hell. But God doesn't deal with us like that. He sent His Son to die for you. He gave His kindness and His mercy like no one ever has or could do. We need to be reminded of that. All this appeared in the person of Christ. That mercy that He... It's His mercy that saved us. And His mercy is still in effect in your life. Every day. It's by His mercy that we're not consumed, but His mercies are new. Every morning. That regeneration. As you walk with the Lord, you're not the same person you were. You are a new creature And we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Because sometimes we get wrapped up in the things, the sin that we still do. That old man that rears rears his head up every now and then. And we start to really beat ourselves up. And we say, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Because of what you possess. You can do these things. In verse 6 it says, That kindness, that love, that mercy, that regeneration, that washing, which He shed shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. It's just flowing off of Him onto you and me. He's put His Holy Spirit inside of you. He's given you something. Sometimes we forget that. It's, it's, you get up here and you say this, like, why in the world would we forget it? But we do, don't we? As we get wrapped up in the things in our lives and the troubles and the evil around us, we lose sight that we've got these things available to us. 
And he also says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We have an inheritance. And it doesn't matter what the people of this world do around us or to us. We have a home in heaven that's waiting for us. That tongue can't describe how wonderful it is. And it's waiting for you. Knowing that we have access to all of this gives us confidence and peace. This is how I can obey authorities when they're not going against God with meekness and try to stand against the evil with gentleness because I know that it doesn't matter here. I'm going to stand before Him. And my job is to try to convince some of these people that they need what I have. But I'm not going to convince them if I forget that I have it. And I start acting like they do. And that brings us to verse 8. These, these verses just all flow into one another and hold each other up. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. We need to be reminded of our testimony. See, God's word is faithful. He says, this is a faithful saying. Submitting ourselves to principalities and powers when we see the elements of evil in those principalities and powers. Obeying those magistrates when we look at them and we look at their lives and we see the sin that they're wrapped up in. That's not easy. But God says we should do it. And God says that how we conduct ourselves is profitable to all men. God's word and his ways often cut against our grain. But his word is true. And we do need to be reminded. Paul tells Timothy, uh, tells Titus that he wants him to affirm these things with the believers on Crete constantly. All the, all the things, all the things that we're wanting. Titus needs to re- remind people and put them in mind of all these things. And remind that we were like those that we point the finger at. But now we've believed in God and put our faith in His Son. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. We should maintain good works. That's part of our testimony. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. It's not enough to sit in here and listen to preaching and raise your kids with the Bible and say that you believe it should be teamed together with the good works, with the good attitude, as much as in us as possible. When faced with evil and opposition, 
our natural tendency is to retreat, to stop, and to quit. This says maintain good works. Keep trying. Keep trying to share the gospel. Keep giving to the poor. Keep helping out the people in your community. Keep reaching out to that lost family member who has maybe cut you off. Maintain the good works. Maintain what God wants you to do. No matter what anybody else in the world is doing. Because it's not about them. It's about you. And it says that good works and a good testimony are good and profitable for everyone. Because sometimes we're prone to wonder, is it doing any good? I'm sure some of you who have ministered at Stevens Park in Allentown over these past several years are tempted to sometimes wonder, is this doing any good? Yes, it is. Because God says that his word and these good works are good for everybody. No, we may not be able to see it now. But it's doing what God wants. It's shining the light. It's making a difference. It's going at something out of the ordinary in that park. Evil is the default setting. But it shouldn't be our setting. Because of God. Psalm 73, it's one of my favorite psalms, and it starts out with the psalmist asking himself and God why he bothers following God when it looks like all the evil people in the world prosper and don't have any problems. And don't we think that sometimes? But then he reminded himself, and he went to the temple of God, and he was reminded, oh, now I know. Now I remember I was talking like a fool. Now I remember what God says is waiting for these people. No, I don't want to be like them. I need to keep on. And Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God, those evildoers, those that oppose themselves, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We should have that testimony. Peter gave an example in the family situation. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they're not believers, they're not followers, they're not worried about serving God, that they, uh, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That's not just for the wives. That's for all of us, toward everyone out there, to maintain our testimony, maintain that good works. Because they may not believe this, but they might see that you believe it. And the fruit of you believing it, that you are not like the other people that they run into, that you deal with them in gentleness and meekness and kindness. And you talk about the love of God. And you're really weird. And they say, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should seek God. Amen. So this section of Titus is about reminders. It's suggestions. It's thinking 
was sort of directed at you. It talks about them, but it's dealing with you. I'm putting mind of a childhood response to teasing. I'm rubber, you're glue. Bounces off of me, sticks to you. That's what God wants in this passage. He wants those things that we are tempted to be to bounce off and come back at us. Say, hey, remember who you were? And remember that those people that you want to point the finger at, that you want to speak evil of, that are causing you to want to stop and quit, they're just like you were. Titus was tasked with reminding the believers on the island of Crete who they were and who they are now that they've been saved. And remind them what they should be doing. It all fits together. I can be, I can put myself as subject to the principalities and powers because my God rules over all. And he's going to take care of me. And yes, I do need to follow him. And then when those times come where I do need to, as Ephesians 6 says, stand, not let them move me, then I need to do it with meekness and gentleness. What about you? What has this brought to your mind? What is your spirit like toward authorities and government? Are you involved in working good in your sphere of influence? And are you supporting those others who are? How do you deal with others? Are you quick to put them in the place or give them a piece of your mind? Do you talk about them behind their back? Are you gentle and meek even when opposing evil or debating with someone? Do you remember who you were before God saved you? Do you keep in mind that you're not doing everything perfectly or from a pure heart all the time either? Do you remember that God saved you in spite of you? Do you remember that he wants to continue to change you into the image of Christ? Do you remember that God's kindness and love is abundantly available to you no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter what evil is coming up against you? Do you remember that this world is perishing and that you have an incorruptible inheritance in heaven? Do you remember that your testimony among your enemies and your neighbors might just motivate someone to seek God themselves? Titus was given this task of reminding these believers in Crete and were prone to act and think in ways that are not helpful to God. They're not accomplishing his purpose. They're not helping our neighbors. The antidote to that is to be reminded about ourselves. Think about yourself, not in the selfish way, but in the way that God sees you and wants you to be. If we're reminded about ourselves, just like that customer service rep, we're reminded about ourselves, it's going to change how we treat others and conduct ourselves in our daily life. 
That's what God wants to do. These are the things that we need to be reminded of. And I pray that one of these things touched you, that you needed to be reminded of, and you need to make a step in coming into line and submitting yourself to his authority in your life so you can carry on in peace and gentleness and love and in good works while all the world goes haywire. That's what God's called us to do. But we need to be reminded along the way.